at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, January 19th, 2023 edition, and we've almost completed the third trading week of the year. 2022 is firmly in the rearview mirror, and now it's about assessing your own personal situation, your own goals, your risk tolerance levels, and figuring out how that applies to today's ever-changing market. You know the market dynamics are shifting, so you can't use the playbook from really the last decade. You have to look much further back into different eras, different times, when interest rates were rising, when inflation was more persistently higher. And use those as analogs. So the portfolio that worked in 2016, 17, 2020, 21 are not the portfolios that are working today. And you need to adjust, and that's what we're here to help you do. So if you're looking for insight and perspective and data to help you make better money decisions, better investment decisions, you've come to the right place. So I'm Justin Klein, and on this radio show and podcast, I'm going to do my best to help you develop and refine your investment approach and ultimately your strategy. So I look forward to taking your live calls and your after-hour calls on our listener line. So you can call, whether 24 hours a day, doesn't matter. We love the live calls, but... A recorded question works as well. Still 888 chart. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. So I've got a lot of material for you today. And my focus point concerns this question. With retirement spending plans, are the odds stacked in invest in the investor's favor? In the investor's favor. So we're going to look at how retirement plans are built. Hopefully you've built one for yourself. You had your advisor build one for you. We do that for clients uh, at KPP Financial. So how are the new plans presented and calculated? And how do you think about those in context to how they used to be built? So we're going to look at that. Also, we're going to look at Chinese demographics. And I think that's something to... uh, look out for and understand. And then also investing in China in general. Chinese stocks have rallied recently because of reopening, etc. But that doesn't take away the geopolitical risks involved. And this is something 
the usual average investor ignores or doesn't have much insight on, especially when you're looking at the financials of these foreign companies and the valuation that they're trading at. Most are not adjusting for the geopolitical risk. You know, there's a, for example, there's a lot of Brazilian companies that are trading at very cheap prices. Three, four, five times earnings. They look super cheap. But then you take a step back and you look at the problems they're having with their democracy there. And you go, oh, that's a scary place to invest. So that discount is appropriate, usually. So we're going to look at at that when it comes to, to China as well. And then lastly, if we have time, we're going to go over some uh, new new CPI data and what they're calling core, or sorry, super core CPI, super core inflation. And maybe this is the next iteration of economic measurements when it comes to inflation. So those are things that are on the docket for me, as well as your voice bank questions. One is on investing in other stock markets, as well as Riley Exploration Permian, R-E-P-X, is another call we're going to take, as well as your live calls. Once again, 888-99-CHART is the number to get through to me. Now, let's take a look at the market today. We had the S&P down about 30 points, try to rally most of the day, and then had a rollover in the last about half hour or so. And so is a continuation from yesterday's major sell-off. And it would not shock me to see the market uh, reverse all of its gains for the year and turn negative sometime at the end of the month. Would not shock me. Said for a while, I expect a very choppy first half of the year. Big rallies, big sell-offs. And it's going to be all about what happens with the economy. Inflation is a dead story. If you're focused too much on inflation, not to say you ignore it completely, but if you focus too much, like you were last year, last year was all about inflation, right? When is inflation going to peak? When is that downturn going to start? Well, going into the year, we said, well, inflation should peak in the second quarter. Well, then you had the Ukraine war, and that pushed the peak in inflation off to the third quarter. There's always those idiosyncrasies that you don't always see. Um, but, you know, you don't want to be fighting the last war. That's what a lot of investors do, is they fight the last war. Just like people are still fighting 08 and the financial crisis. And they think, well, the deflationary banking crisis is what the next downturn is going to entail. And based on bank reserves, et cetera, that's not, that's not the case here. It's very unlikely, right? Banks are in very good shape overall. Yeah, their earnings are going to come down. They're going to have uh, more write-offs for loan loss reserves, things like that. But a banking crisis is unlikely. So the question now is more how much of the economic downturn has the market priced in? And I would say somewhere around a mild recession. And I think that's still base case. So, you know, a major new low potential for the first half of the year, but 
more of a choppy market as we transition uh, into back into a normal economy that we're experiencing now. So we're heading into a break. I welcome your finance and investment questions right now. No question too simple or too complex. So give InvestTalk a call at 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7 rain or shine during smooth sailing or on rough weather days the invest talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions you set the agenda don't forget to call invest talk 888-99-CHART justin klein and steve beasley are ready to take on your finance and investment questions call invest talk 8889 chart. Hi, I have two questions. Um, one is regards to AT&T. I heard that they were cutting their dividend again, and I can't seem to find anything on the internet to confirm that. And then secondly, is about Lumen Technologies, L-U-M-N. And Justin seems to uh, like this stock, but I heard Steve on the broadcast probably about maybe four or five weeks ago now that he did not like it. And I didn't know if this was something the company liked at one point and has uh, changed their minds on that or if this was a personal preference of Justin's. Thank you. Well, I think on Lumen, it's more of a personal preference. I see the value of, of their assets, although, you know, the value of their assets uh, or the, the, the revenue that those assets are, are producing uh, continues to dwindle, but their margins go uh, are going up and uh, they're, they're, they're selling off assets at pretty high multiples compared to what the stock is trading at today. Uh, and paying down uh, a lot of their debt quickly. So I, I'm a fan of the value that Lumen is, is, is at right now. Um, but admit it is, it is a risky play. It has a lot of debt and, you know, it's going through a restructuring and, and that structuring restructuring may succeed. It may not. Um, I think it will, especially with the, the valuation it's sitting at now and able to buy back stock and do things that are value accretive to shareholders. Um, but it's a complex beast, and uh, it's not for the faint of heart. So I'll say that. And uh, so preference um, on AT and T. I didn't see anything about them cutting their dividend again. Uh, I know that they did cut their dividend once they spun off Time Warner. Obviously, a big chunk of their revenue and, and earnings uh, leaving once they did that, and that's why they cut their dividend to kind of right size it for the new smaller. Uh, entity, which is uh, more focused uh, strictly on being a telecom provider. So uh, I have not seen anything uh, an additional on top of that uh, cut to their dividend overall. And if I look at their payout ratio, it's about 58%, cash to the pay ratio, about 88%. So I think they, they certainly have uh, enough cash flow right now to, to continue to pay their current dividend. 
Um, so I don't see it going down um, uh, soon, soon. Um, but there's always that potential. Remember that. Remember, dividends are never sacrosanct. A, a management team can go in and cut them at any time. All right. Hopefully that answered uh, all of your questions. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Jane in San Francisco looking at AG or BSV. AG or BSV. Can you tell me why you're looking at these? I cannot hear you well. But anyway, I'm looking into either getting AGG or BSV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just would appreciate your opinion on these two, which one could be better, or maybe I should invest in both. And what what do you think? Uh, well, they are both bond funds. One's yielding, going to yield about 4.4% at the BSV. The AG, AGG, which is the i U.S. Aggregate Bond ETF, that one's uh, right around 4% there. Uh, now, the difference here is duration risk, whereas uh, BSV is a short-term bond fund, and that one it has a duration of about two and a half years. So you're not taking a ton of duration risk on that side, whereas AG, AGG, has about a six-year effective duration. So uh, certainly much longer duration uh, exposure there. The BSV is mainly government, mainly treasuries, about 72% government bonds, only 25% corporates, and you're getting a little more corporates and securitized with the AG, AGG. Um, If I'm picking one, I'm going to go with... BSV. Uh, I'd rather be short term. Uh, still, you're getting a little more treasuries there, which, you know, on the short term basis, I think I'm fine with. Um, know that, you know, the, the BSV is going to be more sensitive to if, if interest rates pull back, it'll, 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 it's, it's payout will go down, right? Because there's more bonds maturing because it's a short term bond uh, ETF. Uh, but longer term, I'd rather have less duration risk rather than more. Because interest rates are now in an uptrend, longer term. Now, near term this year, I could easily see interest rates going down for the year. Um, but so it depends on your time horizon. You know, over the balance of this year, uh, probably ag will do a bit better uh, because I do see interest rates coming a bit down. Uh, but if I'm going to allocate new capital longer term, uh, BSV is the one uh, because I don't want to take a lot of credit risk. Sorry, duration risk. Excuse me. Thank, thanks for the call. Now it's Thursday, and we've got one more trading week, trading day in the week, and then comes the weekend, which means you probably have questions before we hit the final trading day of the week. So I'm here, ready to answer your questions. You set the agenda. Whatever's on your mind, give us a call now on Invest Talk at 99 Shark. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
Now, my focus point concerns this question. With retirement spending plans, are the odds stacked in the investor's favor? And what this goes over is the methodology in which most financial plans are built on these days. And it's called Monte Carlo simulation. Um, and basically what it does is it runs different scenarios because you can model out, say, oh, uh, I think equities are going to return 10% over the next 30 years per year. Well, what if that doesn't happen? What if it's only eight? What if it's only seven? What if it's four? Right. And that can have a drastic impact on the cash flows and ultimate values of portfolios many years into the future. You know, if you miss that projection for one year or two years, it's it's a minor difference. If you miss it for a decade, two decades, especially, suddenly that projection becomes far off. And in the old days, the projections used to be that it used to be one base case, kind of the, the middle ground, right? So you say, oh, I'm going to model out 10%, but maybe it could be 12%, could be 15%. So there's both sides of the coin there. So it's about the range of possibilities. So what used to be a dot out in the future is more a bell curve, right? What is the distribution, the likely distribution of outcomes? Now, this is better, but it also makes everybody err on the side of caution. Because before, if you had the median, well, that's the middle. That's the 50% uh, this plan is successful, 50% of this plan is not. But now, we, when, when I do it for clients, I'm looking for success rate of 90% plus. And there's that 10% chance or less that it will fail. But that basically is tilting the forecast in a pretty pessimistic direction. Because remember, it's a bell curve. So the majority of the outcomes are going to be hanging around the base case. And if you just take, you know, one standard deviation, you're talking about two thirds of the outcomes are right around that base case. And it doesn't take into account oftentimes adjustments that should be made for actual retiree behavior. One example is inflation haircuts. So most retirement plans will say, okay, uh, we're going to model out in, uh, the inflation rate at 3%. So your cost of living is going to go up 3% per year. But in actuality, retirees typically undershoot inflation by about 1%. So if they see prices going up, uh, they tend to cut back spending a little. A good example, my, uh, my girlfriend, her, 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 her aunt and uncle are retired doctors. They travel a lot. They travel a lot. And we were just with them uh, over uh, the break, uh, Christmas break, and they were talking about how inflation, you know, they're in a high but fixed uh, 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 income. Um, but they said they're traveling less because of inflation. They're seeing the cost of traveling and, and, and all that. And so that's an example of, in actuality, the behavioral trends 
is for people to spend less or their 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 spending to go up less than inflation. Okay. So they, the Morningstar here did studies on different withdrawal rates, and they used about a 3.8% as kind of their base case. But in the vast majority of, of situations, it went up to up to 5% withdrawal rate, and they were just fine. Okay, so still 90% of the uh, still 90% success rate up to about 5% withdrawal rate. So having that flexibility when you're making that plan uh, is important. And that's really what the gist of this is, is saying, hey, yes, you can develop these plans. I think everyone should do that. You sh if your financial advisor is just throwing you in mutual funds, not running plans like this, then how much help are they really giving you? Probably not a lot. So instead of worrying about that 10% of saying that's gonna fail, it's more about, hey, this 10% is more of an adjustment. You have to make some adjustments. You still probably get there, but maybe your spending will have to be trimmed a little. So these are some takeaways when building financial plans in this new era of Monte Carlo uh, simulations and caveats you should think about uh, when you're building that with your advisor, which hopefully you are. Now, on the next and best talk, the story behind this question. How will the U.S. Treasury deal with the fallout from the debt ceiling showdown? The U.S. has reached its statutory debt limit of $31.4 trillion, prompting a series of measures to avoid a default on government debt. Steve will get to that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. 
One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. So as long as your questions involve the stock market or general investment topics and definitions, we set no limits. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Justin and I are ready. Are you? Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, uh, James from Washington State. Just had a quick question for you. Wondering if we should be investing in other exchanges and how exactly we would go about doing that. So obviously I'm invested in a bunch of international companies or international stocks through the New York Stock Exchange or the exchanges we have available here in the U.S. For diversification purposes, are there others outside of the U.S., uh, other exchanges that we should be uh, looking at trading stocks on? Uh, Appreciate uh, any information or any thoughts you may have on it. Thanks. Bye. Well, investing abroad is not a bad thing, especially now that the dollar is in a downtrend uh, and likely due to our debt situation and our demographic situation, you know, it's going to be increasingly difficult for the Fed to raise rates, to uh, become, you know, become super hawkish. So they're going to longer term have to err on the side of dovishness, which means probably a weaker dollar. Now, that would be beneficial for companies that are listed abroad. Uh, some are duly listed here in the U.S., uh, some through an ADR, uh, and that's a good way to get exposure. But there's nothing wrong with buying companies and other exchanges as well. But you have to keep an eye on the geopolitical concerns and the currency risk. Now, you don't just say, oh, I'm going to buy a company on another exchange on a whim (laughs) just because it is listed. Uh, abroad, you have to have sound sound investment reasons to, to buy it. Uh, but there are a lot of great values overseas, especially in relation to what you're seeing here on domestic exchanges. So yes, the answer simply is yes, you should be looking at other opportunities abroad. Doesn't mean you buy them necessarily, uh, but you're going to get a, a different subset of, of opportunities and uh, probably a higher percentage that are good values compared to our domestic market. Hope that helps. And, and remember, if you're buying a stock on another exchange, there are some trading costs there that you have to keep an eye on. So talk to your broker about that. All right. Now let's pivot over to China a little bit. And China has rolled back their zero COVID policies. And that is ultimately making investors more bullish on China in general. So they're easing regulations on their property sector and their clamp down on the tech sector looks to have ended. And government advisors are targeting growth of between 5 and 5.5% for this year. That's up from about 3% growth last year. And that's its second worst growth rate since 1976. So that's the positive catalyst for global markets. But just as they announced reopening, they also announced that their population has shrunk for the first time since 1961. 
and this is going to be their biggest challenge, is that they have a rapidly aging population. Remember the one-child policy? They also have far higher percentage of males versus females in the country. So not as many women to pump out new children. And even then, you know, uh, how long does it take to make an 18-year-old? Well, pretty much 19 months. Or 19 months, 19 years. You include gestation. So they have high debt levels, rising social inequality, and poor demographics. And so their population dropped about 850,000 to 1.412 billion. And if you look at it based on the average worker's income, it's still a middle-income country. Even though it's the second largest country, per capita, it's roughly in the middle. So the whole notion that China is going to overtake the U.S. as the number one economy in the world, that's going to be difficult when, you're sh when your population is shrinking now. Now, there's more upside for that income level, but how are they going to do it? Especially when the U.S. is bringing a lot of manufacturing back. And so it's all about internal growth. And they've been trying to do that for a while, and it hasn't stuck. And the jobless rate among younger people, 16 to 24, is at 16.7%. Now, that's down from the 20% it was last summer. But still, that's a lot of people that are uh, still unemployed. And China's working age population peaked around 2014 and expected to fall by 0.2% a year until 2030. So the, small, the workforce is what creates population, or creates uh, 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 economic growth. They're the ones that have money to spend. Productivity growth has been slowing. It's slid to 1.3 on average in the 10 years through 2019. That's from 2.7 the previous decade. So they've modernized in a big way, but the low-hanging fruit is already behind them. And so that's the major issue here for China and why I don't think, I think, I think it's overblown. I think it's very similar to Japan. In the 80s, everyone said Japan was going to pass us as well. And they had the same problem. They were a terrible demographics and they imported the vast majority of their raw materials. They were dependent on the rest of the world, just like China is. They, they still import about 75 to 80% of their oil, their energy needs from abroad. So they don't have, despite being a very large country, they don't have a lot of natural resources in order to fuel uh, economic growth and, and, and uh, strength of their economy. So this is something that if you're looking at companies that are exposed to China, that are just Chinese in general, that uh, they're going to be dealing with uh, these economic headwinds now that used to be tailwinds, economic headwinds, and then you have the geopolitical uh, problems on top of it. And so that's why I remain pretty strong that China is relatively uninvestable. Now let's swing back to the Best Talk Voice Bank for a question 
That came in earlier on 888.99 chart from Atlanta. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Chris from Atlanta. I had a question about Riley Exploration Permian Incorporated, R-E-T-X. It's something I've had on my watch list for a while that I was going to add to an energy play to kind of supplement my positions in Exxon. It's had a wild run up here lately, and obviously FOMO's setting in. Could you uh, just do a dive on this stock and tell me if it's worthwhile or if it's a little too risky of a play and when I should look to possibly pick it up after it uh, kind of settles down after this run? Look forward to hearing your answers. Thank you guys for all you do. All right, this is Riley Exploration Permian, R-E-P-X is a symbol. They are, as the name implies, they are an E&P company in the Permian Basin. So they're a, they're a fracker, $700 million market cap. So very small, uh, especially if you're talking about the oil patch, there's a, a lot of a lot of names that are, that are much, much bigger. Yields about 3.9%. Earnings and revenues growing dramatically. It's supposed to make $6.67. That's swinging from a loss in 2020 and only 47 cents in earnings pre-pandemic in 2019. Uh, but they lost a bunch of money in 2015, 2016, 2017. So historically, they weren't that profitable, but clearly they're doing something right as of late. Part of that is just tailwinds from the underlying uh, energy crisis uh, worldwide, and uh, that's that's benefiting them. This has perked up over the past week or so. It, last week, it was trading around $28. Now it's at 34 and change. I'm not sure what gave that spike. It looks like, what was that, Friday? Yeah, on Friday. But... I would not be chasing it here, especially if you look at uh, the history of profitability of the name. Not that consistent. I don't like that. The good thing is they don't have a lot of debt, so relatively debt-free. But it's trading about four and a half times enterprise value to EBITDA, which is cheap, but there's a lot of names that are in the oil patch that are trading around that valuation. So what I would say is it's too small, too inconsistent, not diversified. Uh, amongst its uh, sources uh, of of energy and not trading at cheap enough valuations compared to its peers. And it's definitely overbought in the near term. So why don't I hate it? Uh, I think you have better opportunities in this space. So I would keep looking uh, at you don't just because you're an Exxon, the you know, basically the largest in the space doesn't mean you have to go all the way down to one of the smallest. How about a, how about a mid cap? Right, someone in the, something in the five to ten, maybe fifteen billion dollar market cap range, still could grow uh, and is probably more diversified, stronger financially, has better earnings history, profitability history. That's what I'd be looking for if you're looking to add to your energy exposure. Thanks for the call. Well, there's no denying that we're in a new environment in regards to markets. And that means that you need to probably adjust, like I talked about on our main focus point, adjusting based on the current situation. You know, retirement day will eventually come. And the big question is, are you prepared? Are you on the right path? Do you have the updated strategies to succeed? Well, if you're not sure, you need a second opinion. I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial where we practice parallel investing, which means you invest right alongside our clients, and we give unbiased guidance both on and off air.
So I encourage you to reach out for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. You can do that at investtalk.com or give our office a call 800-557-5461. That's our line directly to our office. The sooner you reach out, the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized for your situation and your goals. Next up, another caller question. So hang on. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download. Your participation makes it unique. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is Ryan from New Jersey. I had a quick question about Bitcoin. With the recent rally over the past few weeks or over the two months since FTX has collapsed, would now potentially be a good time to short Bitcoin? I see like some resistance levels like right around now. It's at 21500 Maybe around $25,000 for one Bitcoin might be a good spot. Just curious if now would be a good time to short it. And then the second part, what is a good way to short Bitcoin? Um, I see there is an ETF called BITI, uh, which is the short Bitcoin strategy, but it does have a 0.95% expense ratio. I think that's probably the most direct way to do it. Uh, besides that, what about companies that have direct exposure like Silvergate Capital or potentially MicroStrategy? Just curious your thoughts. Thank you. Yeah, well, shorting companies within that sector are definitely good. Silvergate, that's going to be a big problem because they, I think they're going to go under based on what happened at, uh, what was it, Sam, the SBF company? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Why can't I remember that? FTX, there we go, FTX. Uh, so, you know, what happened there, that is uh, probably going to have direct effect on Silvergate and there's liability likely there and like your bankruptcy. So I'd rather play that. I'd rather, I'd rather short Silvergate itself because of that the uh, idiosyncrasies of uh, what happened with FTX. Uh, but Bitcoin in general, it has rallied. It was hanging around the 16 level for quite a while and now it's up to about 21 the main resistance level, though, is going to be more in the high 20s, somewhere around 28 to 29,000. That's where I see the major resistance coming in. Um, so I would just say not quite yet uh, from a risk rewards uh, perspective. Certainly better now that it's rallied 5,000 bucks uh, from 16 to 21. Uh, but it also depends on your time horizon. Um, and BITI, another good way to do that uh, directly. So, yeah, shorting Silvergate, buying BITI, that's, uh, those are two ways to, to short it. Um, and I think, you know, a year, 18 months out, I think those will probably be um, good plays, but they're certainly risky, right? You know the volatility within the space if you're, if you're talking about it and looking at it. So you have to be cognizant of that, and that, uh, that play isn't for everybody. It's not for the faint of heart because... As you know, crypto can move pretty dramatically. You can have big short squeezes in companies like Silvergate just based on one uh, one news event, et cetera, and you need to have the stomach for that. But I think overall, uh, over the medium term, both are good plays. 
Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday, and that's help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. Everyone's in their own, starts at their own uh, place, they have their own goals, but the tools in general are roughly the same. And that's what we're here to do give you the tools to help you build a brighter financial future. And so our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. You're building your financial future, but you must have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin, it's Art from Tucson calling in about VF Corp. VFC is the ticker. Clothing, apparel, outdoor, work clothing, high-quality names like uh, North Face, Dickies, other respected brands, um, Smartwool. Wondering what you think about the company. It looks like a pretty good value here to me. It's got a good 6.55% dividend. I don't know, though, if it's a value trap or something that's a value here that should come back to where it was maybe in the past, in which case it would be a, a really good time to buy. Wondering what you think. Wondering what you think a good buying point would be. And I'll listen on the podcast. Thank you. Bye. All right. This is VF Corp. And you're correct. They have a ton of great brands, including North Face, Vans, Supreme, Timberlands, Dickies, and historically they've been a very strong performer uh, when it comes to profitability. Long-term return equity is in the mid-20s. Now it's at 12. So currently under-earning. Earnings this year expected to, for 20, yeah, this year expected to fall 34% to $2.10, down from three eighteen dollars last year, twenty-four in 2021, 268 in 2020. So very inconsistent the last few years. But the bet on this, if you were to buy it, is that they're going to return to form and that they can get back to close to the $3 in earnings and stay there consistently. And then, you know, this is trading at roughly nine or 10 times forward looking earnings. But as we know, this is a time where people are spending less, they overconsumed. And now they're pulling back on their spending. So th this is, in my mind, a pretty good long-term bet. But near term, the technicals remain pretty poor. Okay. Its price sales right now is just under one. Historically, it trades it three times. And it bottomed in, let's see, bottomed 2000 at about 0.6 times. Bottomed in 08 right around 0.8 times. So it's certainly in the zone, definitely in the zone of cheap, but you have to have a stomach because the technicals remain weak and the consumer remains weak and getting weaker. So until this can break above the 100 day moving average right now, that's trading around 31, that's around $31 and change. Now, uh, current stock price is at 28.42. Phil can break above that, I think it's going to continue to ride the 100-day downwards. So I'd be watching for that. But I, I like what you're looking at. It is cheap. It's definitely on our watch list for potential buy. Uh, but the technicals have not improved enough for us to get excited about the name. All right. 
Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's touch on inflation. Inflation, and I know the story from last year, I talked about that, but you know, there's kind of a new hunt for a more narrow measure of inflation. And, and the reason is, is because inflation is more complex than it has been in the past. And the labor market is much different. Before you had the largest cohort of the country, the baby boomers in the workforce. And so when you went into a recession, it, a lot of those people were laid off. There was plenty of workers around. And so employers had a lot of bargaining power. Well, in a time where the labor supply is tighter, it becomes a different calculation for employers to lay off people because it's not quite as easy anymore to just hire them back. So some are looking past the typical core numbers and looking at things like core services, excluding housing and medical care uh, to get a finer look at what's happening with inflation. Now, the short-term rates market, that peaked back in October and has been coming down since. And what that do, that's showing is that the market is pricing in weaker inflation going forward. And it just shows you how the market's looking deep into this, into this stuff, deeper than you think. And so the signal here, oftentimes besides the headlines, is what is the market pricing in? And the market is going to front run those headlines of inflation. And you need to be aware of that. So that's what we look at every day. I look at every day at the shape of the yield curve. Where are interest rates moving? Are they pricing in tighter Fed policy, weaker Fed policy, or dovish Fed policy? And that's something you should be following as well. So not just the headlines, but the moves within the market. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Best Talk program. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And we are approaching the 50 million download mark. Should get there, hopefully, by the end of the month. Thanks to you. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461.